0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and I want to thank all of you all for being with us tonight. And I also want to thank you for your patience with me for these past few weeks, especially after October the 2nd. Things in my life have taken on another new normal. I'm really getting tired of doing new normals, but be that as it may, this is what we do. This is the first show that I have done in a quite a while, as I am dealing with the grief of my husband, and some nights I have to reschedule because I just can't do it. But tonight, we're going to do it. We've got this. And I want to welcome each and every one of you to the show and let you know that we're heard in over 200 countries, and we have over 200,000 listeners within those 200 countries. We are now heard on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, two shows on iHeart Radio, SoundCloud, um We are heard on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Reverb Nation, on um, YouTube. We are heard on FM.com, TuneIn Radio, and several other stations that I don't put this show on, but other people do, and I am very, very grateful for it. We are headed into our third year. My sidekick is no longer with me, but he is. Still raising me up. That is one of the reasons I played the song. Now, there's two ways to get on this show, ladies and gentlemen. One, you can come on as a guest, and we are taking shows for next year. This year is full, and I, I will be rescheduling those people that I had to um, do cancel their shows. But if you want to get on the show, there's two ways to do it. One, come on in as a guest. Or two, you can become a sponsor for this show. And my, my Intent is not to get rich off of the sponsorships. My intent is to get you all heard. You can contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com. I will tell you how to do both. And with that being said, um, Jay Traveler Pelton, who has been on this show, she has a special going just in time for the silly season. She is offering post paid sets of her trilogies for $25 a set, and she will autograph them any way that you like. She takes PayPal and will ship the sets out the next working day. So go to her website, travelerpelton.com, for all the details. In the meantime, her latest books are available as eBooks or paperbacks from Amazon and Books a Million. This month's new book is called To Protect One's Own Book. Seven, this is number seven, and the Oberlin generation continues the story of the overachieving Oberlin with all the action, political intrigue, and hard science fiction that her fans have come to expect from Traveler's Tales, Noah Kai and their families attempt to get ready to appear before the Joint Congressional Committee to testify and to sort out the damage caused by the Brotherhood. Violet's old nemesis Obsidian shows up, and suddenly, just driving to Washington requires a military escort. While back at home at the retreat center, how do you protect your family when the world has lost its mind? Don't forget, Traveler Pelton on Amazon, so check her out. Most of you all know Sam Holden. She's been out for a while. Uh, Diane Mote is is the author of the Sam Holden series, and she is indeed our favorite vigilante. Her third book in the series, Dog Bones, is, is Sam's quest to avenge abused animals when she is threatened. When the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other. Will her double life be exposed? Will Sam be able to protect her animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Mode everywhere eBooks books are sold. Howard Levine has written a new book called Last Gasp. Fred Tedeschi's niece is dead, one of thousands of victims of a terrorist attack which has been laid at the feet of Islamic radicals by a right-wing U.S. government. Frank, based on a chance encounter, is one of the very few people who question the government's explanation. He's a Vietnam veteran who wants nothing more than to live without further controversy or conflict. Can he and his grieving brother Rob, a detective with the NYPD, obtain the necessary evidence to uncover the truth in the face of scorn and incredibility? Can they overcome their long-term instrument to work together given that they are putting their lives in danger? Gasp, a novel that resonates with Today's politics, the answers To these questions unfold In a way that mingles personal and Societal issues and intertwines The past and present while moving Relentlessly forward. Again, that is Last Gasp by author Howard Levine. Now Do you love Thriller Whodunit? Cozy Mysteries are sizzling suspense With dangerous twists and turns Well, each one has secrets, and one of those secrets could get them all killed. Often, death is just the beginning, but what if the damage was already done? The answer is revealed in Death and Damages, keeping you on the edge of your seat with hair-raising homicides as you discover mysterious secrets, deadly assassins, and cold-blooded killers in this thrilling box set of 24 breathtaking tales of death and damages. Pre-order your box set now at deathanddamages.com, just 99 cents. So go and check those out. Now, tonight's show is an interesting show. When I first read about this guest, I said, I got to have her on here because this is another one of those taboo issues that we don't talk about in polite society and why we don't as far beyond me. It is something that needs to be educational needs to be full of fact finding knowledge, and then needs to become wisdom because it happens more than we know. Pradeepa Narayana is an International Coaching Federation certified professional coach and a certified professional co-active coach with over eight years of coaching experience. Her long, lonely, and painful struggles for 11 years with infertility included three miscarriages, three IUI failures, and eight back-to-back IVF failures before she was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. Pradeepa then made it her life's purpose to coach women and men, ladies and gentlemen, as well as couples going through infertility struggles. Her mission is to help them on their infertility journey to make it suck less. She strongly believes couples, men, and women who feel empowered with fertility coaching have a more positive experience. Pradeepa is not just talking about infertility. She has walked the walk for a very long time and found her light at the end of the tunnel. She is looking forward to helping you discover your possibilities. Pradeepa, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Yvonne. I really appreciate that.
1: Well, let's let's just jump right in here. Before we talk about where you are now and the good that you're doing, let's talk about how you got here. What in the world? Three miscarriages, three IUI failures, eight back-to-back IVF failures. I think I would have quit after the first one. <sighs> <laughs> yes
2: yeah it it was a really long journey. Mine was almost close to eleven and a half years, though, which was a long time to be in that mode and uh, you know going through all those failures especially. Um, yeah, being resilient, uh having that one of as one of my value
1: and a characteristic really helped me lot. <laughs> when you had your first miscarriage with it, and and and, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't, if you, women especially, if you've never been pregnant, it, it is so different from just being on your period. Yeah, you go through the hormonal changes, but your body literally prepares itself for this baby. And your body goes through hormonal changes your your emotional goes through hormonal changes. your <laughs> mental goes through hormonal changes and and your body's ready to to carry this this little baby for nine months and to to have a miscarriage is devastating emotionally mentally physically, and spiritually would it not be? deeper I've been blessed I've never had a miscarriage. I cannot even imagine the 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 bottom of the pit that you hit when you lose that child yeah
2: um this, that, like like you said uh, miscarriage is something that when you know when people are getting married and you know they're trying for a baby and you know they are getting pregnant this is not something that um, people would um, people would expect that would happen um, so for me uh, personally I never I mean like it took almost six years for us to get for me to get pregnant for the first time since we got married and um, that was a big deal like getting pregnant after six years was like yes finally we did it right So it was that experience it was very. Um, You know, I was very enthusiastic about it. I was very, you know, like, oh, my God, finally it happened. I was kind of like, oof, kind of relaxing because there was all these, you know, like unmounted pressure that's happening. Like, oh, you guys are married for this long. Why are you delaying? Don't delay anymore. You know, the more older you get, the more difficult it's going to be. You know, people with all good heart and good intentions start kind of talking about and ask questions. That kind of puts you in an even more pressure spot. So when the first uh, pregnancy happened, I was so thrilled, like, my God, finally it happened. Um, I never, ever expected that it's going to end in such a tragedy for me. So I did carry the baby for almost like 12 weeks. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you lose the baby, you know, in, in, in eight weeks or nine weeks or 12 weeks. It, it's a loss. So I was extremely, extremely devastated by what happened and I fell into this deep grief pit that's how I felt like I never wanted to talk to anybody I never um, you know I I I didn't I didn't want to go out I was just grieving because like like you said people get attached and I got attached to this baby you know even though it was few months and it was teeny tiny I still got get attached to it and like losing that when I when I when I heard about it that like you're going to lose this baby. We're not hearing a heartbeat. Um that's the last thing that I wanted to hear from my doctor. And when I heard it I was like extremely, extremely devastated. That may not even the powerful word that I that I know of, but I was completely shattered. Um I really didn't know how to react. I was grieving I was grieving and, you know, the the grief was there for a while for me, um, I didn't even want to, my both. I mean, I was living here, and my parents and my in-laws they were in India, so every day in the morning they both of them will call just to make sure that I'm doing okay uh, and stuff like that. I hated talking to my parents nor my in-laws because you know I just I just was at this point like just leave me alone. I don't wanted to talk to anybody. I really wanted to, you know, take this time to really grieve and. Because I didn't, I mean, I didn't know this is how I wanted to personally grieve. I never wanted to, you know, see anybody at the time. So it was such a painful experience. It was such a lonely experience. And um, somehow, you know, it took a while for me, but I was able to come out of it. Um, And I was able to grieve through it. And I was able to make peace with myself and to come out of it. And uh, the, you know what, Having Going through miscarriages is more common than we all know you want. Uh, one in four women, one in four women will experience a miscarriage in their lifetime, which is a lot of people. That
1: is a lot. It's an awful lot. Now, while we're still on the subject of miscarriages, would it be fair to say that not only does the mother grieve, but the father has to grieve too? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the thing is, you know, how do you, how do you grieve is basically something that's very personal for people, right? There are some people who grieve by, you know, just like myself, wanting to aloof and be by themselves, not wanting to talk to somebody, anybody Um, There are some people who take a totally drastic path where they go and talk to everybody and express their grief that way. And there are some people who, you know, who take other paths such as, you know, like drinking or doing something like that as well, right? So there are different people who grieve very, very differently. And for myself, I was just not in a position to notice anything apart from me and my grief at
1: that time. That was the total honesty. So after you experienced the three miscarriages, the three IUI failures, the eight IVF failures, what, and then you would you were diagnosed with, we don't know why you can't get pregnant, what made you decide to take this catastrophic part of your life, and turn it around to to do good for others, to educate men and women, and to help them understand that things happen for a reason that we can't explain. Yeah.
2: So after my miscarriages, um, you know, I did end up seeing a fertility doctor, and um, the first thing that they would start you on is some fertility drugs. And I'm just going to give a little bit of that story so that I can tie it back to the question that you just asked, so go with the fertility drugs, um, and, you know, that didn't work for me. And then they will start putting you on treatments. So the less invasive one was the IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. Uh, it's a very popular one, um, and they did three cycles of that. The statistics of getting pregnant on that is much lower. So I wasn't too, uh, you know, disheartened when that didn't work But then uh, after IUI failure, that's when our doctor suggested, like, okay, we'll go to the next one, which is the IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. That is still the golden standard for fertility treatments even today. And the hopes of getting pregnant and the percentage is much, much higher, the chances, especially for a woman and uh, for a couple that, you know, know possible illnesses or diagnosis with, with the reproductive system so we were i was extremely thrilled because now it feels like oh my god yes there are health and there are advanced health in making babies and this is probably going to be the answer for for me because until now they couldn't really figure out why I wasn't why I miscarried. That was a medical mystery, and the three failures with IUI still don't know why it didn't happen. Now we will go on to this, where we are going to make a baby, but the chances of getting pregnant through this treatment is extremely high because that's the, and also the treatments are extremely expensive as well. So, so first time after a long time. I got really, my hopes were really, really up at this time. You know, I was really excited. And uh, for people who don't know what IVF or how it's going to be, you ext- this is such a long process with a lot of medications and hormonal injections just to get your body ready to produce that many eggs, which they will medically retrieve, and then they will mix it up with the husband's sperm and then they will form the embryos outside, and they will then put the embryo back in your in your um, uterus. So that's kind of the procedure. Typically, this is almost like what I'm talking about is starting from finish to this end until the blood test. It's almost like almost a little over three months worth of time frame. So that's a long process. And as a woman, majority of the work needs to be done on a woman. All the medications, the injections, with uttermost discipline, like day in and day out, day in and day out, with uttermost discipline. And um, you cannot slip on anything, anything at all, and your life will be around this, not the other way around. You know, this kind of owns your life. If they they say that you have to have an injection at 7 p.m. sharp, you have to find a way to have this injection at 7 p.m. sharp. Not like 6.30, not like 7.30, it needs to be at 7 o'clock. So you know, we have, our lives kind of revolved around that, and that's how it was. So after my first treatment, where I had my hopes up so high, when I was literally waiting for the phone call, I had to go in the morning to get my blood work, and I was almost I was convinced that like okay, my doctor will any time call me and tell me the good news that I'm pregnant. And somehow I got the call that it didn't go. I didn't receive it directly. It went into my voice message. So when I heard the voice message, I almost feel my phone was slipping from my hands and tears started flowing through my eyes uncontrollably because the first thing that I heard from my doctor was sorry, Prdeepa. Uh, you know, the, we don't we didn't get the result that we wanted it, and that's all I heard, and that's it. And it was such a big, big, big blow for me because I put everything myself into this treatment, and because I know this is. This is the answer for me. So to me, if this doesn't work, what is going to work for me, right? I was extremely disappointed. I kind of, I was at work at that day, and I ran out of my work crying, not wanting to see anybody or be there. And uh, it was such, it was, again, such a devastating failure for me. And getting out of that and going back to my doctor and talking to him again as, as a couple, that took a while for me to make peace with myself and that's how my first failure with IVF started and then only I have to go on to have seven more failures back to back to back to back to back every time this is the analogy that I use with people we want it's like every time I go into a treatment it's like I'm putting all my energy into climbing this 30 30 foot building uh, 30 to the 30th floor through the steps and only to find out that treatment didn't work, it feels like falling face flat from the 30th floor, um, 30th floor window and you know, coming down on my face flat, being broken into pieces and I have to collect my pieces up, put it back again and I have to start the walking again to the 30th floor. That's how it felt every time until the eighth time. So. Just to say that it was such a rough journey and this is, this is this, it, it occupied my life for a really long time. Being on this for 11 and a half years, it's such a long time. And it affected me physically because of all the medications and injections. It affected me mentally and emotionally because I really didn't know how to express my emotions. I was feeling so lonely. There was so much sadness, frustration, anger, irritation, but there was most importantly, there was so much shame that I was carrying around. There was so much jealousy that I was carrying around when people around me, even much younger than me, are getting pregnant and celebrating baby showers and birthday parties. I really didn't know it was not a mean kind of jealousy, but something that I truly couldn't help. And that's how I was honestly feeling. Um, and, uh, you know, it affected my uh, intimacy with my husband. My relationship was, not, was an all-time low. Uh, you know, it affected our sex life. It affected our social life. Uh, you know, we didn't know how to support each other. I was in my own world, uh, you know, binge-watching Netflix. That's, that's my go-to tactic, and I, didn't even, I don't even know what my husband was doing at that time. I didn't pay any attention to him. Shame on me for that. Um, but I was in my own world grieving and mourning and being irritated and frustrated and annoyed and anger and sad. All sorts of emotions that you can imagine that was just not helping me. Uh, grieving a lot with all the failures. Feeling so confused. I don't know what to do next. I, feel, I felt stuck because the dates were moving. The calendar was moving. But I didn't, my life didn't move. I felt like I was at the same place for a long time. And it affected me spiritually as well, like you said. I was angry at God. And, like, why me? Like, why did you choose me to be this way? Why not me? Why are you punishing me? What did I do? What did I do wrong, right? Uh, People around me seem to be, people around me seem to be, uh, you know, doing okay in this department. What what did I do, Like, Right? I didn't know about infertility until I got diagnosed with infertility because no one in my family has this kind of diagnosis as far as I can tell. So when it became a shocker, there was so much of a shame, right? What did I do wrong? Why did you choose me to be this way, right? So I was angry at everything and everything. And in fact, you know, like I never talked to God or prayed to God for four years straight because I was completely angry. I avoided going to um, all my family and uh, all my family is in India. I avoided going to India for four years in a row, giving all sorts of BS, bullshit reasons, pardon my language here, uh, why I can't go. Truly, I didn't want to go and see anybody because I was ashamed. I was afraid of the questions about baby and baby talk. And I just didn't want to face anything. So what did I do? I avoided traveling. And at work, it was even worse. I was completely inauthentic at work. Where I, worked, I wore a face mask, I wore a mask at work, where I, I pretended like, oh, everything is happy in pretty land. We don't talk about anything personal at work. But inside, I was just dying little by little every day with the, all the failures that I was encountering. Yet I was faking a smile at work, pretending that everything is going good in Peripa's world, which is...
1: Not. And, and and what we're going to do, struggling. what we're going to do, Pradeepa, this is a good place to, to take a break, because when we come back from break, we're going to talk about how you overcame that and how you are now teaching others. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, life coach. Pradeepa Narayana, and she's talking about infertility and her own own journey down that path. And and when we come back from break, we will talk about how she overcame all of the negative in her life and how she turned it around. And now she's coaching others. So stay tuned. We will be right back.
0: Best-selling and award-winning author of true crime and crime fiction, Yvonne Mason is back with a brand new book, The Pink Canary a book that delves into the life of a drag queen and a marvelous whodunit. You can find this and all of Yvonne's other works on Amazon.com or find Yvonne Mason on Facebook and Twitter. You're gonna kill me. Buy your copy of Pink Canary now. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure, available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot.
3: This is Jade. And this is Wilona. Wow, it's been a busy summer. Yes, we have new books. I think we have a new audio book. And I thought the voice was bad with other life lessons. Why is that title such a mouthful? I don't know, but you can hear that mouthful on Audible and on iTunes now. And that will take you through Life Changes, The Highs and Lows of It, through pop poetry and the literary life guys. So remember to check us out. And no, I don't mean a once-over, but then my narcissism said, well, maybe check me out once. And then look at the rest of the website at andrewthought.com." <laughs> You can check out the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything that we're doing on that website, andwethought.com, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Oh my goodness. So we're going to say bye from Nona and Jade and our website. Okay, is this going to be like a running gag? Yup. Andwethought.com. Bye bye. Tune in to Off the Chain Radio, December 5th to meet the founders
2: of Be Unique magazine, a nonprofit, digital, interactive publication that's free to read online. Nothing but positive vibes and stories about amazing humans who are making a difference in our world. With more than 50 volunteers
0: from a dozen different countries within the first three months, this organization has caught the world by storm. Want more information? Visit BeUnique.org, B-U-N-E-K-E.org.
4: Germany, 1938. Charlotte, a young girl of 15, wanders into Georg's cobbler's shop to have her shoes repaired. Georg, enamored by Charlotte's charm and grace, decides then and there that he's going to marry her. But they must keep their love a secret from family, friends, and, most importantly, the Nazis. Follow along as Georg's pursuit of the young Charlotte results in the couple traveling a heart-stopping, winding route to stay one step ahead of the Gestapo in their escape from Nazi Germany, with a surprising twist along the way. If you like history and romance, don't miss Good Things Always Happen in Springtime by Joanne Fisher, available at www.joannesbooks.com.
5: Juliana is a middle aged housewife in Toronto with a career, a husband that has little interest in her well being, and three children. In the evenings, she gets on her computer and chats with people around the world. When she gets involved with Aaron and Bobby, her life becomes a pinball, bouncing around her husband, her job, her children, and her two online friends. She's bewitched by the romantic poetry of Aaron. But the honesty and kindness of Bobby bring her all the way to California. Watch for the ironic twist of fate that takes her in a direction she never expected. If you like spicy romances, don't miss With All of Me by Joanne Fisher. Available at www.joannesbooks.com
4: Fiore is a young Italian woman engaged to be married. But her plans are interrupted by a charismatic Sebastian, a handsome middle-aged Spanish businessman. Her beauty strikes him like a thunderbolt sent by the goddess Venus herself. When she's given a peculiar gift, a Spanish doll, she's thrown into a whirlwind of entangled passion, money, secrets, and love.
5: Their romance sparks in a charming little Italian town located on the southern part of Lake Garda in northern Italy and takes them around the globe.
4: What happens when her life is suddenly shattered by a lifelong secret? Her Spanish doll will bring you to a caliente Spain and a romantic Italy, adding some spice along the way. Available at www.joansbooks.com.
1: And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, life coach, Pradeepa Narayana, and her story is just amazing. So, Pradeepa, you you had three miscarriages, three failed IUIs, eight back-to-back IVF failures. You went down into that rabbit hole, and shut everybody out of your life, including your husband and yourself. You shut your own self out of your life, and then you crawled your way out of it. What changed yeah. you, and how did that lead you to what you do now? Yeah. So a couple of things that I tried, I
2: tried when I was, um, you know, I was going through my infertility was I went some support groups. And at that time, <clears throat> they didn't truly help me because it mostly felt like a pity party for me. You know, I'd go around and say, my name is Tadipa, I have infertility, and this is my story. And you kind of go around the room and say say that. And at the end of it, nothing in my life changed. It still stayed the same. So it was not not uplifting. It was not motivating or positive. I it still I felt like stuck. And I even ended up seeing a therapist, and that didn't really help me either because I was ready to move on and move forward and I lacked clarity but therapy wasn't the right answer for me at that time so I did try uh, so it took almost so after the eighth IVF failure you know, to be decided my husband even said like hey let's go for maybe one more ninth try because you know with IVF and with all these fertility treatments age is going to be your big friend the more older you get, the chances of the treatments working um, is extremely, extremely low. So we have to consider our age as well. He said, like, maybe let's go for one more. But somehow, until then, I was just saying yes to everything, yes to all the protocols and yes to all the treatments that the uh, doctors were suggesting. But this time, somehow, I put my foot down and said, no, I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't know what got into me. Somehow I decided to say no. Husband, sweet man, you know, he totally respected my decision, and, you know, we just dropped it then and there. But we both decided after this we wanted to go into the adoption route. Um, That's the route that we chose. So we went into, uh, you know, starting our paperwork for the adoption process. But even after the adoption process is going on, it took three years for me after I said no it took three years for me You want to really made peace with myself. And the thing that really helped me make peace with myself was the day that I realized that I was feeling like a victim to infertility. Like I said, uh, I think you read it in my bio initially. I was uh, diagnosed with what is called unexplained infertility. What that means is, you know, all the medical tests, and, um, you know, the data and the facts look okay in paper, yet we don't know what's wrong here, and we don't know why you can't get pregnant. So the medical term that the medical industry and the fertility industry uses is called unexplained. And that's that's one of the frustrating diagnoses that you can have, especially if you are looking to move on, because, you know, now we don't know what's the problem with you, uh, not either one of you, and yet you can get pregnant. And I have to live with that because I was, like, really hoping, tell me there's something wrong with me, um, so some problem with me or my husband, whatever that is, tell me there's something wrong. At least I can use that to move on. But telling me that I have we have unexplained infertility really didn't help me in that situation. So even after we started the paperwork for adoption, my mind was still going through, my God, oh, my God, I gave everything here. I, just so much of my life I spent towards this without giving up. I was so resilient, you know. I just gave myself in every day, every day. And yes, this didn't happen. Why, right? Again, the big why question. I was walking around,
5: you know, this big
2: why on top of my head for such a long time. Why me, right? Why not me? That's how I felt. But there is this one fine day, you know, I woke up and realized that, my God, I am feeling like a victim to infertility because, you know, I'm, I'm always feeling like, why not me, right? Why, why, why did you put me in this way? What did I do wrong? So the day that I realized infertility is owning me and I'm feeling like a victim to infertility, that's when I really shrugged my shoulders and truly woke up from that long, you know, what I wanted to call it, like a dream, long dream. Oh my God, this is what is truly happening to me. And I hated that part immediately. And you know, I hated being a victim to infertility and I really wanted to do something about it. And that's the day that I decided, I am not going to be a victim to infertility. Infertility is not going to own me. In fact, I'm going to turn it around and I am going to own infertility and that's the day that I truly,
1: truly moved on you want And in moving on, you started coaching not just women, but men, and before the show, you and I talked about that, that men don't have an outlet, and men will put on this big bravado, mm-hmm. because in their mind, they were put here to to procreate, that's part of their manhood, that's, that's part of their job and when the doctor says it's not her it's you instead of getting depressed they just get downright ugly they still blame the wife yeah how do you coach men through that yeah so one
2: of the things that often we don't talk about is how men are also equally affected by infertility in fact the statistics say 30% of women are affected by infertility. 30% of uh, fertility challenges are due to male factors. And the remaining 33% are basically a combined factor or unexplained infertility, just like how it was. So men are also equally, you know, uh, in this equation along with women. But what what often happens is uh, the fertility industry, you know what? Fertility industry is going to be a $20 billion industry in
0: 2020.
2: Oh, my Wow. Tease. Exactly, exactly. And majority of the industry, the emphasis is put on women. Women, women, women. You know, the fertility yoga, fertility acupuncture, fertility tea, fertility whatever. Just put the name fertility before that, you have something, Right. And women, especially like myself, when I was so desperate, that's another thing that I forgot to mention to you. I was extremely desperate. With all these failures, I really wanted something. Give me something that will turn, my, turn me around and help me get pregnant. I was ready to do anything and everything. And I was doing anything and everything. So the desperation, of the, the, the women's desperation, is used and it's being seen quite a bit by this industry, and a lot of people are taking advantage of that. And by selling all these medical miracles, that you know, typically just are not a good idea, or it's it's not proven in any means. Yet we women, you know, we go through that. So it's it's easy to you know convince women to buying some of these things, but what we don't have a lot is. Having any kind of support, right? Any kind of support for men. So typically, I call this. This is how I call it. Men are typically an ignored entity with regards to infertility when they are married. Even you know, when when a wife goes through, when the couple goes through a hardship, and let's say their treatments are not working, or they lost a baby, or whatever that may be the case. Majority of the people will ask like, "How's the wife?" Right? and even to the mm-hmm. husband how is your wife doing how is your woman doing right the emphasis is still on the women and hardly hardly even with my men clients they always admit that hardly anybody asks them how are you doing sir nobody asks them because men have two roles here one they they have you know they are also going through the loss just like their partner Number two, they, they still are in the supporting role where their woman is going through something and she, must, she may have had a failed treatment or treatment didn't work or a, um, a miscarriage or lost baby, right, whatever that may be. Uh, he has the responsibility to support that partner. And oftentimes, men tend to ignore the fact that they are going through something emotional in nature and they only concentrate on supporting their partner. And I have seen so many in my clientele, so many men does that, and they try to do it pretty well for most part. But what is lacking for most people is men doesn't really know how to own, how to even acknowledge the emotions, the anger, the frustration. Uh, they wanting to fix what's happening with their wife. Right? Men, men are typically fixers in nature. And this is something you cannot fix. It's a complex, massive problem. Like one of my male clients said, it's a complex, massive problem. They cannot fix anything about this. And when men cannot fix this and when they see their partner struggling, they get angry. They get frustrated. They get annoyed. And, uh, you know, they express, they tend to take this emotion and express it in some unhealthy fashion. Um, you know, one of the clients, one of one of the clients, he, this is his coping mechanism. When something like this happens, he just goes to a shooting range to shoot. That's how he he calls it. I'm blowing off my steam, Pradipa. So men doesn't have a proper system, not a support system, not a group to really. Uh, you know, express themselves to feel safe and talk about what's going on with them and how they wanted to be intentional about it and how they wanted to move forward with what has just happened. There is, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of support system. A lot of men sometimes rely on their friends. Sometimes, you know, they just end up going and drinking, and drinking is not going to solve the problem, right? And One of this is something that I heard about it. This is not from any of my clients. This is through somebody's. This is through a friend that I heard that some people when they get frustrated, especially when when you know when the when the problem may be on their side, right? When they have male factors involved, they try to go and test their manliness on other women just to prove that they still got it. And those are all some stupid things that men tend to do because you know this is an example this is not i have i've never personally heard about it but to a friend i heard one of this is this is something that i heard about it so all these are happening is because we don't give enough support
1: not put emphasis on men in this equation and that's a shame because in in as many years as i've been on this earth there's one thing that i've learned about most men They have a fragile ego anyway They cover it up But they do have a fragile ego And when this big thing That they're in charge of Procreating the earth And this is their This is their journey And when they get slapped in the face Well, guy, you don't have what it takes So that makes you to the that, You gotta get them back First before you can even Start to help them heal yeah exactly
2: exactly and uh like you said it's a it's a pretty big deal for men if if somebody told them that they cannot create a child um it's a pretty big deal it's a pretty egoistic it's it's it it hits their ego in a pretty big way for a lot of people, and a lot of men don't have tools nor taught things how to cope up with that and some people just, you know, do not so pleasant things with that when, when they have that. And this is where uh, you want a lot of, and even in my personal experience as well, relationship challenges also comes in, right? You know, it's not just, it's not just uh, you know, women struggling on her own and men struggling on his own. It's also the relationship the relationship, the, the thing that connects these two people also struggles quite a bit. And that's a whole other struggle. And unfortunately, growing up for us, we were not taught some of these skill sets to how do we cope up when something like this happens in your life, something this major happens in your life. We were not taught these skills. We didn't know, we don't know, I mean, I didn't know how to communicate with my husband. Nor ask him for what kind of support. He didn't know how to support me when I was on my own world, just, you know, like trying to forget what's happening to me and just trying to binge watch uh, Netflix all the time, just being on the couch, which is totally, totally not healthy. Um, And that's why, alongside working with men and women, I work a lot these days with couples because, unfortunately, I'm doing a research on my side, on my on my side about how infertility affects relationships. What I'm hearing, majorly, is a lot of couples are either separating or ending up in divorce, going through infertility, not because not because they are not able to have a child, because their inability to take care of the relationship challenges that comes between them during this hardship
1: and and because they don't have enough mental emotional or physical or spiritual strength to support each other and to understand that it's nobody's fault it exactly. just is it it's it's just the way that it is and it's not her fault it's not his fault and him going out and and trying to sleep with every woman in town to prove he's still a man that only exacerbates an already tenuous position and that completely destroys the fabric of the marriage
2: exactly exactly right yeah you 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 hit it on the nail there yes we just don't know and it's really hard when you go through something like this because I have been there I can I can talk about it now it is really hard to take a step back and really look at this in a more diligent way because the tension is there, the stress is there, the especially if there are failures, you know, the disappointments are there. And like you said, um, you know, sometimes you know, you blame each other for no good reason, even though you know that's not the right thing to do. Yet you end up doing it because you don't know any other way to express your feelings and emotions. And that's why what I do is extremely critical and important in nature because you we need somebody, especially when we are going through something as hard as this, we need somebody who is non-biased, who is you know neutral, who is able to help you see things that you, you are not able to see because that's what I was looking for, Yvonne, when I was going through this. I really wanted somebody who can relate to what I was going through, at least to some degree. It may not be apples to apples. To some degree, what infertility is and what I was going through and really helped me uh, see me as who I am and help me move forward and help me with some of the clarity that I really, really wanted. And my experience, I, I wish, I wish I had a Sadipa back then when I was going through infertility. My journey would have been very, very different. My attitude would have been much different. Would have been a lot pleasant, to be honest with you. I would not have done the mistakes that I think that I had made back then.
1: But but on that but me. on that same but Pradeepa, on that same thought process, maybe in the big picture of things, God used you as a vessel to be where you are now by taking you on that journey so you could be the voice and so you could help these other couples. Exactly.
2: Yep, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to tell you, that I'm actually grateful for my journey and for my struggles and for my suffering because now I know why I am born and why I have to go through this and what God or the superior power has in has in store for me. Now, I can be that person for other people who are struggling through infertility. They don't have to struggle in silence. You know, I have walked the walk. I'm not just talking the talk. I have walked the walk for 11 and a half years, and I'm also a coach. So having that is a pretty awesome combination to help anybody journey suck-less. I, I will not say suck-free because it's going to suck to some degree with all the medications and the treatments and all those things but i can offer a suck less journey and that's my mission you want
1: and that is a a beautiful beautiful mission and would you believe that our hour is almost up wow okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It goes by real fast on here because we just talked. So what I would like for you to do is tell the folks where you can be found, um, all of your social media, and so then if someone's looking for a Pradeepa, they can find you. Awesome.
2: Yes. So my website has a lot of my social media. My website is PradeepaFertilityCoach.com My first name which is P is in Peter R-A-D-E-E-P-A FertilityCoach.com All one word. So that's where all my information is available. And I also wanted to share with your audience about a new a brand new online course for people going through infertility. This course has modules for men, women, couples, family, and friends, and it's all like a self-paced online course that people can take at their own pace, at their own comfort, uh, at at the comfort of their own home, actually.
1: And and ladies and gentlemen, don't worry about it if you speak another language, because I just found out this beautiful creature speaks three languages fluently. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so
2: I will share where my online course is I'll just share the um uh, url for that is her next chapter dot which is h e r n e x x chapter C H A T T E R dot or backslash instructor Pradeepa I n s t r u c t o r, Pradipa, P r a d e e p a. Again, it's her next chapter, n e x x chapter dot o r g backslash instructor Pradipa. That's where the online course is found. And uh, you want for your listeners, I'm going to offer a special discount code. The discount code is. Less one word. S U C K L E S S. If you put the discount code on while you're purchasing the course, you will
1: get fifty dollars off of the course price. So well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, this—if you have suffered a miscarriage, if you have suffered through IVF or IUI failures. And if you're struggling in your relationships, Pradeepa is a good go-to source. She's been there. She's walked that walk. She talks that talk. And she can help you take that journey and come out on the other side in balance with your mind, with your spirit, with your emotion, with your physical. Because if you're not in balance, ladies and gentlemen, you're not living well. And, and we have to always keep our, our mind, our spirit, our emotional, and our physical. And we will end on that note. As you all know, there's several things I say at the end of every show, and one of those things is we are all on a journey. And sometimes that journey is, like Pradeep says, it's, it's pretty rough. So if you're out and about and you see someone, make their day smile at them say something nice about them because people will forget your name they will forget who you are they forget what you're wearing but they'll never ever forget how you've made them feel also if you want to be great don't ask permission just go out and get just go out and be great because you already are teach your children to be great Pradeepa, don't hang up when the show goes dark, but I do want to thank you for coming on tonight's show because this show is very educational and very filled with knowledge. And I hope that, that the people that listen to the show, both live and in the archive shows, will take it and make, it and make their life better.
2: Thank you so much, Yvonne. I, I'm very grateful uh, for this opportunity today, and I, I,
1: I, this was wonderful talking to you today. Thank you, sweetheart. So, ladies and gentlemen, join us again next Wednesday night here at Off the Chain. We will only have one show. We'll have two shows. We'll have a show on Wednesday night and a show on Saturday night because, as you all all know, next Thursday is Thanksgiving. People will be with their families. They will be enjoying meals. If you don't have family and you don't know what to do, go to a shelter or go to a Feed the Hungry and feed someone who is less fortunate than you. With that being said, I am your host, Yvonne Mason. This is Off the Chain with my guest, Life Coach Pradeepa Narayana, and we wish you a good night. Pradeepa, the show is now in archives, and what will happen is when we get off the, off the phone, once it archives, I will take and post it on my page. I don't know if we're friends on Facebook. If not, I'll find you and I'll friend you and I will send you the I will tag you for the link. Then tomorrow I will put it up on SoundCloud and Spreaker. It automatically goes up on Stitcher, on iTunes, on YouTube, on FM.com. I will put it up on Reverb Nation. I will also put it up on iHeartRadio. I have two shows on iHeartRadio. And this is where we get our 200,000 listeners in over 200 countries. So you're going to be heard all over the world.
2: Awesome. Wonderful. You want? I actually, there is a, the, my last name is cut off. Actually, there's uh, five characters that are missing in my last name. I thought this was just a typo in uh, somewhere. But um, if you can just correct that, that would be wonderful. I will.
1: Because, see, when, when I saw it, um the way that it was written for the show, and and then I saw it in your bio, I'm thinking, did she do that on purpose to keep, because a lot of people wouldn't know how to pronounce it, or was it a typo? So what I can do is go back and add the SWAM yeah. on, on probably, there. I think it
2: was probably a typo, or maybe I missed it, or whatever I did. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything, and then I found like, huh. Maybe there's a reason why you are doing that everywhere, so I'm probably typed it somewhere like that.
1: Well, you did. So I said, okay, that's why I'm gonna put it up because that maybe that's how she uses her last name. So I will fix that for you, my dear, on the on the um, on the taglines and on everything else. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so
2: much. And I also saw one teeny tiny uh, error with the. The spelling of infertility in the uh, in the website actually. Hashtag infertility.
1: There's uh-huh. a key
2: there. It shouldn't be there. So that's it. I
1: just caught that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well we can fix that too. It's no big deal. <laughs> awesome. So Yvonne, where are you from? Where are you talking to me from today? I live in Florida but I'm originally from Georgia. The show okay, awesome. comes out the the show comes out of New York.
2: New York? Okay, awesome, awesome. So, so thank you, Juan. I really appreciate this opportunity today.
1: I'm very grateful to you. You are quite welcome, and thank you. You taught me a lot. Awesome. All right. All right. Bye. Good, good night, darling. Bye. Bye-bye.